do it like a, what if, you, if you're going to get famous for vlogging what would you vlog i mean this right and this it's sort the of the you can't use vlog. This. we can't we can't do this do start fresh oh god if go i had, back <laughs> go back 12 years no, oh, no. <laughs> and i want and i wanted to get famous vlogging i don't know i'd probably i don't know you could do a cooking show i could do a cooking show maybe yeah would you go like hey daddies would that be your thing hey daddies that's it that's exactly how i'd open you know it. what I should have been a Twitch streamer. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. I think... Uh, I'd be, hey, Papa Bears. I was watching a sketch the other day. I, I don't remember where it was on my reels or something uh, from some sketch. I don't know what it is, but uh, they, they had to act out a scenario of, okay, you have a conversation, but you have to replace every use of the word dude uh, with daddy. And it was two guys. Great. So it was very funny. It was a good time. That Love is it. very funny. Yeah, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, daddy. That's a good idea. <laughs> Whoa, daddy. Which of us do you, th- it's, well, I don't even need to ask this question because it's the answer so obvious. I was going to say, which of us is like the most likely to have some sort of sordid, mysterious backstory? Is it Dustin? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. The vampire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. You, and I, you and I are simple, simple, humble men. You know, yes. we don't, we don't well, need a lot or ask for much. Uh, He's country folk though. She's he's, he's blue he? ruin. That's yeah, right. I am more exactly. blue ruin. But it's funny because um, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Blake Bla- Lively. Blake Lively. And, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, her 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 real life thoughts on parenting are my jokes, and I I thought that a lot. You know, that's funny because I that's the joke I make a lot, but I don't feel mean, that way. Yeah, I don't feel yeah. that way at all. But I thought this is like if I were serious, she's that person. <laughs> Well, hello. Hello. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. We gather around a table, we discuss the films you'll never discuss in a film size course. We are now doing the year 2018. Yeah, it's like a little retrospect. So, five years ago is the... You know, in hindsight... Sorry, I keep cutting you off. Good to cut me off. I'm sleep deprived. Um... Go ahead. I'm trying to remember what I was saying. Oh, he's that kind of sleep <laughs> you deprived. You are sleep deprived. Um, yeah, love it. You know, in hindsight, I should have picked movies we'd all seen five years ago so we could mm, reappraise them sure. properly. Right. Sure. This is a blind spot I've wanted to get to, though, so well, I was good. happy to have the excuse. Well, I think I've picked some because neither of you have seen some of the other movies we're doing later this month. Then yes. And there's one that we've all seen that we all thoroughly enjoy. Okay. That's, you know, Fight the System, horse horses mm-hmm. involved. Okay. okay. I like horses and fighting the system. Yeah. I'm gonna have to game that out during this episode. Yeah, we have to figure out what what I'm that putting ob- the pieces together, Mister ob- Detective. Hint is uh, it's easier if you're a Virgo. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, right. Of course, yes, yes. Yeah. Horses. Yeah. It would be easier if I were a Virgo. I am unfortunately deep in my my Libra season. <laughs> <laughs> really going great. I know. I know it's November by the time people are hearing this, but yeah, it's it's my birthday tomorrow, and this is a, yeah, this is our birth my birthday recording actually. Oh, right on. Oh, cool. Right on. Yeah. And this was a fun movie to watch. It is nice. Yeah. Goes down real easy. This was nice homework for the weekend. It like is it. indeed a fun movie to watch. But we want to warn you, dear listener, that this is a analysis show, not a review show. So if you have not yet caught up with a simple favor we will be at the end of the show spoiling much of the film a quite plot heavy film i think so is it is is, and again the plot itself is a lot of the fun so um if you're wanting to tune in before you do that you can listen to the first couple thirds of the show uh, and they'll look like this we'll have a synopsis we'll have a quick thumbs up thumbs down review just whether we like it whether it hits or not and then we'll move into a little game called expand the syllabus which might involve thematic spoilers but we'll try to be kind of gentle at that point. Then we play some kicking music to let you know that we've gotten on down to business. And that's when all spoiler bets are off. So you have now, my friends, been warned with that. Arthur Gordon, do you have a synopsis with which to delight us? Widowed, widowed single mom and vlogger Stephanie finds herself on a play date with fellow mom Emily. 
Emily is cool, mysterious, brash, and all of the things Stephanie isn't. But for Stephanie, she soon finds out there's much more to Emily than first meets the eye. Never watch somebody else's kids, I think, really is the advice we learned from this movie. I've already trapped you in that one, haven't I? <laughs> Sucker. Yeah, and then, then, you in. and then they just never come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, that is the movie, and uh, Arthur has seen it once, yes. I've seen it before, yes. Before, I saw and, it in theaters. But um, both Dalton and I are the virginal watchers, so I guess, Dalton, you go first, and I'll go second. Okay. Happy to do so. Uh, yeah, this is a, a fun movie. Look, big Anna Kendrick fan. I uh, mm-hmm. have been for a while. I like Blake Lively, too. Uh, and you know what? I'm, I'm, you know, I've only seen Crazy Rich Asians, but I like Henry Goulding. Uh, so I, I, as far as I, we start off, match made in heaven. Great. Three fun leads uh, having a wacky, uh, mysterious time. Kind of a thriller, kind of a comedy. Great. I'm on board. Yeah, it's super fun. Uh, here's, I guess, my like big issue with the movie. Uh, a couple. Uh, number one being, I know a lot of people, one of the big talking points of, of late of the last several years is like how bad movies look these days. And I don't usually find myself noticing it. This movie looks pretty bad. It looks it looks kind of TV. I don't I just, you know, kind of flat visually. And I don't really feel like blocking or camera work is very exciting, especially for a movie that's got so much coming at you quickly. You kind of want something a little bit more kinetic maybe um so i definitely felt myself being like oh wow maybe you know what's what's paul feig's like limitations as a storyteller like is is he the guy to like deliver you something visually and i guess maybe the answer is no which you know i again he i know he comes from the tv world freaks and geeks sort of being you know his big breakout as a as you know a lead uh you know on directing and show running and stuff uh, so that was, you know, a frustration I kept finding myself having with the movie, which is, you know, a shame because so much of it is like well designed, like the costumes in this are great uh, production design is really good. Um, so it's not a bad looking movie in terms of what is the maison scene, like what is in the frame, mm-hmm. but the frames themselves are not usually that interesting. And again, I think colors a little flat, um, but otherwise, like I think a really fun time. Um, I think it's it's kind of aloof with its sense of humor in a way that like you could go the whole movie without realizing how much of it was being played for laughs. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it wasn't until probably the last half hour or so that I was started like, Oh, like really realizing, I mean, there's, which isn't to say there's not a lot of humor in the film, but it was just uh, like the longer I got in to it, the more I started to pick up on like, Oh, you're, you're being silly a lot more often than I thought mm-hmm. you were. Uh, which I think is fun for this, the subject matter. It is like very much an, you know, kind of a typical airport novel girl from the train gone girl. Like it's, it's in that wheelhouse. Um, and to do something a little bit different, I think is exciting and interesting, you know, kind of take on this, uh, the suburban thriller and, and to try and do it a little bit more cheeky. Um, I, I think that's fun. Um, and again, big fan of all the performances here. Uh, I just really don't like the ending of this movie. It really did bring me down like a full half star, maybe even a full star. I just, Postscripts are not my thing usually, and this has got some pretty egregious use of of that device. Uh, and then even what we get before that is just kind of a, you know, it, is the 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 moment the movie like most commits to being silly, and I don't know if it works in that in that beat. 
Um, as much as I like the character, the, the actor that they've pulled in for an 11th hour uh, big hero moment to kind of help put a bow on the story. And maybe that's what it is. There's just it's too neat. Uh, there's th- these are all very messy people uh, that the story is about. And we end up getting kind of a pretty tasty little bow on on everything. And I don't know how well that works for me. And I don't know how much of that is you know coming from the source novel that this is based on. So hard, hard to say how much we should be. Uh, you know, crediting the the filmmakers and how much we should be crediting uh, the novelist. But yeah, it just doesn't really work for me. But again, overall, uh, a very fun time. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I know it's got some some love and I can definitely see why um, I, it makes sense that this was a success. You know, these got a lot of like known people who uh, have kind of been working steadily for, you know, at, at that point over 10 years, you know, Blake Lively coming, breaking out on um What's the name of that show? Gossip Girl. There we go. Mm. And then Anna Kendrick doing some turns on, in Twilight, among other mm-hmm. things. So, you know, Pitch Perfect already is kind of taken off at this point. So the two of them have draw and you can see why, you know, between their chemistry and sort of just the the fun beats of the mystery, you can see how this managed to creep up to almost $100 million. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, good luck on that sequel that they, they say that they're going to make. So I, I'll go watch it. Yeah, I liked it that much. Very good, very good. I also liked it quite a bit. I, I think I, I hear and I agree with your analysis of just the, the the camera work or the cinematography that it is. I mean, it is pretty blah. Well, yeah. I'd even say something like Spy, if it does, you know, mm-hmm. doesn't really have that kind of what you'd expect, like a James Bond movie to look like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think that is kind of maybe a limitation he has being a kind of a comedy TV background director. Which is too bad because um, the title credits and the end credits both sort of lend yourself to say, okay, we're going to do something really modernist. We're going to sort of nod mm-hmm. towards like Andy Warhol and pop art a little bit and uh, think about that kind of 60s moment. The needle drops also kind of lead you to think that as well with all these great French um, uh, pop songs, Bridget Bardot um, doing her thing. And uh, I was very, very pleased to hear those things. And it, I, but, I couldn't help but think about Mad Men a little bit. Oh, yeah, sure, and sure. Zuby Zoo. Yeah, and I, the, the connection there uh, with Bardo, I think I'll say more uh, when we get to syllabus time as to uh, what's going on uh, with the style of the movie uh, in terms of its narrative stylings. Uh, but yeah, the rest of it really, really works. I think it's a really smart kind of indictment, not indictment, but uh, investigation of suburban life, mm. of vlogger culture, of just some of the pressures and pitfalls that we that surround parenting and being around these groups of people that you otherwise wouldn't, you know. Mm. Uh, ever associate with mm-hmm. ever ever never you would anyway um i i've been to a couple of these meetings um <laughs> my name's never on the board um and i can see that yeah i'm fine with that i'm busy i, I know I, you know I, I pay, you're the last volunteer yeah I, I i pay taxes why serve uh <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, uh, that's that's its own thing all by itself. But yeah, I get that 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 tension there, and I think it really does play it well. And I do think the sort of diabolique uh, plotting of it, using uh, something familiar, and also just verbally naming it, and uh, it does have a certain kind of literariness, the kind of mystery that it is. But it's very much a 2018, 2017 kind of story, and so it, it, I think it does a good job of telling that kind of noirish. Cohen-esque mm-hmm. thing, uh, doing that in that particularly, you know, contemporary um, mindset. Uh, again, it could have done a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, just, you know, just 
play with the gels, play with the lights, do something with the shadows, you know, it just I saw opportunities. Thing, yeah, and I saw a thing where Feig was talking about like liking that it was well like had comedy quote quote comedy lighting. Mm. It's like, well, there's no shadows to hide behind in these well lit suburban homes. And I'm like, okay, like you can kind of see what you're getting at with that. And again, I don't know how viable that quote is i pulled it from imdb that hypermodernist frank lloyd wright house you mean yeah no yeah exactly incorrect They're, yeah i don't i don't know i think it I, I don't think i disparage that element of it yeah i think it fits the movie i mean i just i wanted i wanted i wanted something really slick and yeah. i got something just okay well this will do yeah. it, it's kind of what the setups felt yeah. like um as far as dialogue delivery the same kind of thing there uh just the most uninteresting way put two people on a couch get behind them get in front of them but don't really play use the background in any kind of way or any kind of blocking as far as directing your actors and so i really wish that there had been a little bit more of that kind of stuff now again um Anna Kendrick and her name Blake Lively. Blake Lively sure is going to keep falling out of my head. Apparently, um, both of them do an incredible job. Great performances. Um, love them both. You know, wanted more acapella singing, but um, <laughs> despite that, uh, no um, missed opportunity. Uh, it's it, it's it's a very very good time. I think she's just got uh, Anna Kendrick especially. It just has incredible charisma. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fun to see her in this sort of R-rated kind of sleazy thriller. Yeah, it's and trashy in a it, fun way. I yeah, mean, we didn't talk. I didn't get to talk about this, it, but people it, be pumping in this movie. Yeah, they, they, they do be pumping, but it, it's really chaste. I mean, it is sort of made for TV kind of sure. you know stuff that they're doing there. And that, that's totally fine. Um, and uh, so I'm not, you know, saying I wanted more or I wanted less. But, you know, it, it sort of gestures towards a certain kind of sleaziness without, mm. you know, going full bore gritty. But that would have, again, required a difference in style, I think. Different as well. director, different style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So to kind of lean into the erotic thriller nature mm-hmm. of the story. Yeah, yeah, and that would have been fun, but this was fine. Uh, and yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I had a good time. I, I enjoyed it. I I think the ending works for me, but um, I used to drive a Prius. So I have some automatic um, loyalty. And um, as a joke, it, it hit for me. It might not hit for me a second time. But we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get we down sure to spoiler will. territory later. Arthur, you're the picker of the film and you have seen it before why do you like this movie i hate this movie oh okay no i'm just kidding i do like this movie um he just has to presume just because i pick movies all the time i, I pick all the movies right but so the, you presume that it, but you, I said, like all you said some things in the group chat that sounded kind of warm <laughs> did i yeah uh yeah i, I enjoyed it i do get a kick out of it i think it's just fun uh, I, I mean a lot of it is i think blake lively and, and anna kendrick I, I i love anna kendrick quite a bit i think she's great and then uh, I really wish Blake Lively had gotten the career her husband has, uh, mm. because I think she's the more enjoyable one. She's and often more interesting partner. than he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think she's great here. Like, I, I love the, this sort of diametrically opposed view of these two mothers that we get. I think it's a really fun thing to do. And then like really like kind of taking the piss on this sort of airplane novel mm-hmm. thriller. Uh, I think it's a fun thing. I was kind of looking real quick. It looks like the book does play it super straight and serious and mm-hmm. dark. Uh, and this is definitely not that right. I think that's uh, the fun to be had with it and going into it and the cheekiness of it that kind of, you know, the direct reference to Diabolique's and stuff like that. I think it's just fun. And I had just seen, I think Diabolique's not too long before I watched this. So it was kind of fresh in the mind. Um, so yeah, I get a kick out of it. It's big, it's, you know, twisty and silly. Um, the ending does work for me. I laugh. Um, 
you know, I don't know if it's necessarily the best way to land the plane, uh, but it doesn't like kill it for me. Mm. You know, it's maybe more of a, just a kind of a forgettable ending. Yeah. There are other things I think back about this movie and, uh, you know, um, we get some fun stuff, you know, some fun people show up to play characters from the past, um, who I think are just great, uh, in here, you know, Linda Cardellini, mm. uh, is just a gem totally. of, of a person. Gene and smart. So, fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Melissa Leo. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and so I, I just have fun with it. Um, and it is very much, you know, Paul. I think it's maybe one of my favorite Paul Feig movies. Um, for me, I, I just think it's working in a well. Maybe some of the other stuff doesn't get to usually. I think that's probably fair. I'm trying um, to think like this. Spy, I think Spies really stars. Um, you, you know, Ghostbusters. I've come around on. Um, but this is when I just kind of think about it every once in a while and yeah. it's just a fun time and I'd probably see myself revisiting it every couple of years and just, mm-hmm. you know, getting back into it and having some fun with these characters um, and the silliness of it. Uh, it's not a game changer, but, you know, it's not yeah, probably ever going to crack my you know top 200 or 500, you know, mm-hmm. but it's it's a fun time yeah. and I enjoy it and I think it's easy to watch and just laugh at and, you know, I would watch a sequel. I, yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm warm it. on it, you know, I'm not going to die on a hill defending this movie. Uh, if it's not your thing, but I think it's a solid time and um, it's, it's, you know, that kind of movie we just don't get, I think often, you know, I like these sorts of thrillers and stuff and it's kind of a bygone genre. I think a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to, to get something like this is fun. And yeah, I like it. Very good, very good. So there you go, dear listener. Our biases are generally pro with some caveats. Uh, we're going to move on to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus, and Dalton's going to tell you what that's all about. I sure will. This is the part of the show where we talk about the films you would never discuss in a film studies course, and we're going to try to talk about them like you would in a film studies course, because that's what we do here. Uh, we, we, try to, we try to bring the high analysis to everything, high, low, and in between. And uh, this is decidedly low to in between in terms of like great works or you know however you want to uh, canonize shit uh this is definitely not something as as we say uh, this is decidedly good trash this is very much in our wheelhouse as far as uh the, the kinds of movies we want to try to bring deeper thought to and so that's what we do we kind of bring together different texts uh related to the week's homework and, and try to build a course related uh, around us you know what, what theme jumped out to us uh based on the week's movie very good, very good. Do you have a syllabus prepared, my friend? I do. I'm doing something. Uh, I, I don't know what kind of class it is. I don't know if this would be a social sciences class yet um, or just a, um, you know, a, a unit in a larger uh, storytelling class. But uh, I'm very interested in the hot, chaotic friend. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, this is a trope that I'm a big fan of. This sort of, uh, you know, you don't. You don't see this cross gender very often. I think maybe the best one you can look to is Heather's. But for most of these, it's like the hot chaotic friend. If it's an opposite gender thing, they're the manic pixie dream boy, manic pixie dream girl. And they're, you know, there's some that's kind of what the movie's doing. It's Zoe Deschanel. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But when when it's, you know, same gender, we get something a little bit more interesting and a little bit more psychosexual and homoerotic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm very interested in things like Jennifer's Body and Point Break and mm-hmm. Fight Club uh, and Cruel Intentions. Um, and I think even to a lesser extent, fried green tomatoes. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the sure. hot friend is less chaotic there. And it is like uh, in that novel is like, a you know, a oblique or not obliquely um, directly uh, a, a romance. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in the movie, it's a little bit more alluded to because it's the early 90s. Um, and I'm sure there's more examples of this, this kind of trope, this idea that I'm not thinking of. But those were the first ones to come to mind. And I think in each of these stories, you've got this 
this figure that comes into the protagonist's life, whether it's an invention of their own psyche or a criminal they're pursuing or their best friend who goes through some sort of uh, spooky metamorphosis. Like in all of these, you've got this friend who is very unknowable to the protagonist, especially in simple favor. Um, but that's that's kind of the common thread here is this this character who is larger than life, like takes over every room they walk into their genitals under the room 10 feet before they do <laughs> that just kind of like wacky sexed up like chaotic people that right. are, are hard to like understand for for our more straight laced protagonists and i again i think johnny utah and mm-hmm. um uh, stephanie have a lot in common as sort of like these dark characters who've created this more kind of buttoned down facade for themselves um and i think that's what's interesting about in the overlap in all these stories is in a lot of these cases, it's about the protagonist realizing that they're not as buttoned down as they think they are, uh, especially like uh, very much in fight club, obviously, but at yeah. point break too, you know, and Jennifer's body as well. Um, I, I think all of those like kind of resolve around, uh, a similar, you know, journey through the wilderness for the protagonist where they have to like, um, stop being codependent on the hot chaotic best friend to kind of have to like find their inner reservoir of like, you know, they're their own chutzpah to kind of come to terms with this person who's in most of these stories ruining their life in some way mm-hmm. and ends up sort of taking over their, their life. And, you know, you could, you could plug in play here with maybe sort of the, the, um, the obsessive, uh, you know, single white female type story mm. uh the cruel intentions or not cruel intentions um fatal attraction you know you could sure. bring in that sort of obsessive story and that might kind of thread in here neatly too but i i do think the like the dynamic of the the friendship that kind of becomes uh poisoned for some reason uh because of you know irreconcilable differences let's say uh, i think that's that's kind of what i'm more interested in yeah very cool very cool i like that very much um arthur do you have a syllabus prepared i don't have so much a syllabus as i think i just programming a double feature here okay and i think i would put this in conversation with a film kind of from its era it's invoking and that's 1963 charade nice uh, starring uh, carrie grant and Catherine hepburn uh, which is very much i think doing a very similar sort of tongue-in-cheek take on the hitchcock man on the run thriller uh wherein you know we've got audrey hepburn and carrie grant kind of a wrong man situation afoot and uh, it's at times been called the best hitchcock movie hitchcock never made um and i think it kind of speaks to that idea of of doing what a simple favor does because i think dalton's right and i think it's very intentional i think that maybe why i think the ending hurts it is that the tongue is planted so firmly in the cheek if you're not really paying attention you don't know that you're supposed to be laughing sometimes. Mm. And I think that can really paint your read of the film when you do realize, Oh, this is supposed to be a lot sillier than I understood it to be. Um, And I think charades kind of in that same base of looking at all these movies that came before it, all these sorts of stories that came before and doing something very much in that vein, playing it very, very straight on the surface level, but at the same time keeping in mind the tropes, the ideas, the beats, um, and how can we inject some humor into it in a way that kind of maybe subverts expectations. And I think a simple favor does that as well in some really clever ways. Obviously I think pretty early on, well, what about the halfway point is when we get that diabolique's reference, Mm -hmm. uh, which is I think really the first on the nose nod to what's kind of going on there. Um, comedy wise. Uh, but then like you say, I think in that ending, it really does, all play all the cards out right mm-hmm. this is very much a comedy i'm trying to think of 
other films or stories that do the thing you're talking about. Yeah, because it's a like, weird. Yeah, it's kind of not quite a full satire, not quite a full parody. You know, it's in a weird place mm-hmm. of this almost satirical homage or pastiche kind of thing where there it is, you know, yeah. um, looking at the thing that came before it and doing something in that in that same mold, but then just quietly playing with those ideas to provide some humor. And I think the more in tune you are with the genre, the easier it is to kind of buy into what's happening. And if you came into this dark, not really watching a lot of these sort of, you know, airplane novel type movies or these sorts of thrillers, the the suburban mom thrillers, you know, Gone Girl kind of very much, you know, this is like an antithesis to Gone Girl, well, right? And I was just, I was, as I was racking my brain, I was like, well, I guess Fight Club and Gone Girl are both kind of the same satirical pastiche thing. Like, so mm-hmm. I think Finchie's our guy to kind of look to, yeah. yeah, as far as somebody that has done this a couple of times. Well, yeah. far more serious. Yeah, yeah for yeah, sure. Yeah. Much more straight laced. So and the humor, dark. And, yeah. And, yeah, the humor is much more wry. Yeah. 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 And so I, I just think I would put it in conversation with that. And again, I mean, Surely there are other movies that have done this, um, but Charade is the one I, I and I think it is because of the kind of 60s elements to here. You've already kind of name dropped some of the music, the Mad Men kind of feel, you know, mm-hmm. that inspiration. But even in the costume, you're right, a lot of Blake Lively stuff, especially that dress in the end is very 60s housewife. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it feels like it's evoking a very specific time. And I think Charade is of that same time and doing something very similar. Uh, and then to just supplement this, I think something that would just be a fun watch alongside it is the HBO series, The Flight Attendant. Um, oh, right on. Starring, yeah. I can't think of her name, from uh, The Big Bang Theory. Uh, Kaylee Cuoco. Yeah, there it is. Um, and it's very much kind of in the same space of uh, a person out of their element getting put into a very nefarious uh, situation they are not prepared for. And comedy uh, ensues. And so uh, that's what I do, though. I, I really look at programming this sort of double feature of charade and a simple favor in talking about this idea of satire, parody, prestige, and how all this can kind of come together to subvert genre expectation. Very cool, very cool. Well, as you say, um, it is a uh, again a sort of parody uh, pastiche or a uh, satirical pastiche. I would almost sorry. Go ahead. I, I think the artist is actually really here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Habanessius does this. I think a few times with those uh, not 007 movies. I can't think what they're called, but uh, OS Seven Seven. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the artist is very much in the same place. Mm. Um, and if you're not familiar with Habanessius' work prior, you can read it pretty straight. And works as a drama. Mm-hmm. But it very much feels, once you kind of understand his tempo, it is a parody satire of you know these sorts of dealing with sound Hollywood movies. Absolutely. And that playfulness on top of homage is one of the formulas for postmodernism. And so I want to uh, use this course, if I were constructing a syllabus, I would use it a module in a film style, uh, narrative style course, formalism. And so, uh, again, where you could have a piece of German expressionism, film noir, um, various kinds of giallo. Um, so these are sort of genres, but the emphasis is much more on what they're doing stylistically in terms of screenwriting for the narration and also in terms of how they're moving the camera. And so in this section, I think I would talk about uh, this sort of a modernism and the modernist approaches uh, to style, because I do think this is, though not very stylistically uh, on the frame or in the mise-en-scene, it's very, very stylistic in terms of its postmodern pastiche and uh, sort of that sense 
send up it's doing of the airport novel. And it is making reference to some things that are going on in Europe in the sixties. And so, uh, I think this would be the contemporary piece, uh, to two other, uh, older films. Uh, the first of which would be John Luke Godard's contempt starring Bridget Bardot, who is all over the soundtrack of this particular film. It's not a thriller in the sense of the sort of murder mystery, although there is a lot of, um, crosses, double crosses, married, um, you know, faithfulness, unfaithfulness kind of questions there. And it's really elliptical and it is very much sending up these kinds of, uh, romance dramas, melodramas, uh, Douglas Sirk kind of movies, uh, is, is a lot of what it's doing. Uh, and also it's very meta in the sense that it's on the set of, uh, of the making of a film. And so, and Bardo's great. And so I, I think, uh, you need to see some Bridget Bardot to do that. Um, the other film that I would pair with this in the module would be Michelangelo Antonioni's La Clice, um, which is another one of these sort of romance stories, but it's hyper-modernized. And all three films share this particular theme, which is the unknowability of the other, of the, of the subject other than oneself, that um, people are opaque and they are full of layers and fragmented pieces, and they're not really integrated, that they have these pieces. And I think uh, Anna Kendrick's character, especially in this movie, um, there is darkness, there mm-hmm. are these events, mm-hmm. but they are, they're not, they don't inform her actions in the same way that, um, you know, she's not this sort of traumatized person or she's not this sort of shame-ridden, guilt-ridden person. They are things that took place and they are just these sort of cubist, again, using a modernist painting technique as a reference here, these cubist panels that if you looked at her for a particular angle, you might see them. But if you looked at another angle, you'd never notice them because she's not, we're, we're fragmented as, as human beings. And uh, it's one, sort of one of the major claims of modernism. And also Bardot's character and also uh, the, both both characters, the uh, male and female leads in Le Clis are doing a, a similar kind of thing there. Um, much more with the frame in Le Clis, which is a really stylish, stylish black and white uh, little drama there from um, early Antonioni. But um, that would be the way in which I would approach this and just thinking about how you were able to style these philosophical concepts and uh, this particular, and same thing with expressionism, you know, that you might do with the, the Germans in the 19 teens to early 20s um, for that as well. So that would be the class and that would be how we do it. And I think your syllabus just got much longer, dear listener. Now, though, it's time to get down to business. That's right, and that business is, as always, analysis. I want to stay on, I think, style and form for just a minute, Mm -hmm. because I think one thing this movie does really well, you know, know, visually may not look great, but I think in the edit, it's really clever, because I think that idea of using those flashbacks to portray the, the kind of... Uh, narration that you can't get in film yes. is a really clever thing to do. You know, she says a thing, she mm-hmm. flashes back to it and then can kind of comment. And we now know, like, we have this unreliable narrator thing taking place. But, you know, we get several instances of this where uh, typically in a book, you know, a, a character in their mind can react to something that somebody is saying and we can see that process in the, the book, but obviously the characters aren't seeing it. And I think this movie does something really clever in that that edit of of creating those flashbacks to create that element of the, the narrator's mind mm-hmm. and to get us into her headspace in a way that's really smart without having to do a lot of voiceover, without having to come up with something sort of convoluted. I think it's a really smart way of doing that, that I 
uh, I really paid attention to this time. And, and then the way in which that could be put into contrast or juxtaposition with what's being said, what she's saying, what other characters are saying to give us, I think a little more information or depth about where that character is. Yeah. Because it is like voiceover without being voiceover. It's almost voiceover as sound bridge mm-hmm. where we're in the conversation in the room with the two characters talking, but as they're talking, it cuts to the event or the memory of the event, or in one case, the projection of a memory of an event that she wasn't present for. Uh, we're already in spoiler territory. So it's the car mm-hmm. accident that kills her brother and her, and her husband. Yeah. She doesn't see. And, and yeah. so, you know, she's just simply, you know, and the way in which we, 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 uh, euphemize, is the way in which we, uh, you know, we, we tone things down when we have conversations. That's a really dope. As far as like the style of this film, I, you got to give credit where credit's yeah. due. The, that it's a the cutaway to like the most grisly car crash you've ever seen too. And they were both killed in a car accident. Killed in a car accident. And just like yeah, the very, way she downplayed like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. subtle about it. And, <clears throat> totally. And, and, I, and I think that is kind of brilliant. And again, you know, you say it's not voiceover and it's really kind of not because we have other narration that, mm-hmm. so it's not like, you know, there I was and I was 25 years ago. And yeah, woo-hoo! it's, I wrote yeah. down this, it's funny. I'm glad we were talking about this because I made some notes about like the narrated story and the mm-hmm. protagonist mm-hmm. a storyteller. And it's not like, epistolary right it's not like Mm-mm. you know we're not looking at letters or anything but it's not not that either and it can sure like you said it's not the it was a duck it's, you know it's it's evoking the noir thing that it's it's sort of riffing it on moist it was a moist <laughs> the night. night was moist. <laughs> moist i have a headache in my eye um uh, yeah it's i don't know it's not doing the you know a surprise i'm dead the whole time you know whether it's sunset boulevard or, or william yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Yeah. american beauty spoilers for movies that you know, you should know the ending for a too. long, long time ago. But oh, even man. when she's telling the story about the encounter with her half brother mm-hmm. and she is choosing to stop telling the story mm-hmm. at a point and uh, uh, Emily knows more. She, yeah. she sort of can read a little bit more. And so the rest of the memory kind of follows that. And so mm-hmm. it, it takes a while and there's denial and back and forth before it finds out that she slept with her half brother. And I should have known it was a comedy from the amount of times they say brother fucker. Yeah, I should have <laughs> I should have picked up on how funny the movie was from Blake Lively's what? reaction. Yeah. yeah. What what a, what a, what a choice. What a mean friend. What a lovely mean friend. Yeah. Uh yeah, and that's that is sort of the interesting thing about their dynamic, right? Is like the ignoring of the abuse because of like the loneliness. Yeah. Right. The like the ignoring the the red flags and seeing the cool. Sure. Yeah. Well, she's also operating like as super ego and then here comes id. Yeah. Right. Sure. And I think yeah. that's a really fun dynamic as well as, yeah. you know, it's, you know, be careful with your toys so you don't smash your fingers sort of helicopter parenting mm-hmm. versus whatever it yeah. really is. Right. Like yeah. if I chaos you a bottle of Jack Daniels, would you go to sleep? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> very funny. Yeah. And yeah, that, that it's a very two different styles again, running mm-hmm. right up. Mommy needs a drink. Yeah. Uh, th- yeah. Th- Stephanie uh, has read every parenting book at least five times. Yes. Mm-hmm. And has and, underlinings and little flags on the, so yeah, yeah. I, uh, I did. And Emily doesn't have a car seat. I did. That's <laughs> yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. I did see, and I don't know, this, this kind of speaks to the way in which they're both constructed, right? Like both women, both characters are constructing a version of themselves to portray, like to cope with this trauma that they're, they're carrying around. Mm-hmm. Right. And for, for Stephanie, it's like the mommy vlogger thing. And I saw uh, a little trivia about the uh, costume designer looking at real mommy vloggers for inspiration. Like, Hell yeah, dude. That's funny. That's hell yeah. That's great. Good. 
uh, you, very uh, the the pom pom sweater came from yeah. a, a real one that uh, the that costume designer described a as a, a very uh, DIY cats on your collar uh, <laughs> blog, which she does have cats on her collar at one point. I, her costuming is, I mean, I, I know like the, the Blake Lively fits are like flashier yeah. and like high mm-hmm. fashion and, and hotter, but the, those the, fits drip. The Stephanie a, fits are <laughs> so funny. Yes, <laughs> they're like really good. Just well, very, I mean, yeah, they're, but they're perfect for the characters, right? Totally, I mean, very yeah. well observed. Yeah. yeah, just absolutely tells you a lot about both of them. Well, and invoking another Dream World thriller, I, I thought a lot about Naomi Watts's uh, character in Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. and some oh, of those, like, well, that's, the, and that's the sort perfect, of girlishness of those uh, costume mm-hmm. choices. Yeah, that's a perfect chaotic hot friend movie. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I think that is fun to think about in terms of style. Um, I, I also thought a lot about how sort of the world of the vlogger community is um, this weird, salacious TMZ of a place. Mm-hmm. And the movie is sort of insightful about this, that what we want to know about the divorces, we want to know about the affairs, we want to know about the murders and the ways in which, you know, you can, your, your, your blog will end, or your vlog will eventually become popular, not because of your actual content or your actual thematic kind of thing, but because we are living in this sort of true crime, you know, and we've talked about this quite yeah. a bit, but it becomes that obsession with true tr- crime. Why and true crime how, now? How, 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 well, how does one get viral yeah. Is, yeah. is what it, you know, and it's an interesting sort of discussion or at least a portrayal of virality. Yeah. And there's a point in the movie where all pretense is out the window, right? She's just vlogging from hotels as she's going cross country mm-hmm. looking for Emily. Leaving little breadcrumbs for Emily to hear. Which yeah. is fun. Very good. Uh, it definitely, I mean, we've talked about the sort of uh, the content creator as protagonist mm-hmm. a, a little bit, right? And it's, it's not usually the protag. I think the last time we talked about it really heavily was Godzilla versus Kong. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a podcast comic relief for co- podcasters. Yeah. Cause we uh, should be comic relief. Yeah. That's the best use well, of and us. And then 2018's Halloween or cannon fodder for Michael Myers. Bingo. Yes. Yeah. I was trying to think of another one. And, uh, the only other one that's coming to mind is that, uh, yeah, I just, well, have you seen vengeance? Have you seen that one yet? I've kind of, no, I know vengeance with, uh, is what's yeah. BJ Novak. Yeah. No, Novak's a podcaster yeah. and they, they really, yeah, have make good hay out of that. Yeah. Um, there's, um, the GameStop movie. Um, oh, dumb money. Dumb money. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Dano's playing like. Is he a Twitch streamer kind of thing? Yeah, it's he's like a financial advisor, like a vlogger. You know, okay. he's like a YouTube okay. streamer. Okay. Yeah, who does, gotcha. you know, financial advice yeah. is his whole deal. So, like, we, we are seeing more and more of this kind of creeping into as this becomes a thing, more and more regular people are doing, not as their primary source of income. It by necessity starts to creep into the storytelling because people are just trying to tell stories about mm-hmm. what it's like to be alive with the internet. Mm-hmm. So it is, I don't know. It's interesting. I don't, I don't know that I have like some big observation about it, but well, it's funny every time it happens. I don't, I don't, I don't think the happens. movie makes a, no. a big observation or has a big comment on Other it. Other than what you were kind of getting at, the sort of the salaciousness is what like sells your shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that and people listening to it are probably listening to it to make fun of you behind your back. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, we assume that this is the case. Yes. With us. For all yeah. of us. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I assume every patron is laughing their ass off all the way to the to the bank. I yeah, guess there's, there's, I don't know what they're getting out. They're of. presumably certain, making a number of drinking games based off things yes, we say or do. Sure. Every, every time Dalton says this is a vibes movie and then take a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every time Arthur says me's on sin, take another drink. Yeah, every time Dustin like seems like he likes a movie and then throws it in the trash. <laughs> yeah, those are those are like running yeah. bets. Like the guy yeah. like Wade is like, is this the one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like how, how many French movies are on his syllabus? You know, 
<laughs> yeah. I, I, do you guys want to speak of French movies? You want to talk about Diabolique and like overt references? Have you seen Diabolique? No, oh, I'm, familiar with, I'm familiar with okay. it. I've seen it once and it was a long time ago. So I mean, I, I, mean, refra- I remember it being twisty. Well, I mean, that's right. Oh, gosh, I can't even remember the setup now. But it's an insurance thing. It's a yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. an insurance murder, and she's not really dead. Yeah, or he's not really dead. He's not really dead. Yeah. So it's the two women. They kill the guy. Get the money to get the money, and, and then there's like and, and it's it, a really fun movie because there's like this Columbo style detective who shows up, right? Uh, who's like kind of like really picking at this, mm-hmm. uh, and then we get the big reveal of you know she thinks he's the dad, and then his ghoul keeps coming, you know, starts coming down the hall, mm-hmm. and we get that moment of reveal. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is that same kind of double, you know, yeah. plotting thing to like I need you to help me do this thing, but really we're suckering you into helping us do this it's, thing. It's like a crisscross. 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 <laughs> uh other moments so much throw mama from the train today. I mean pro I mean they're I mean really share DNA with, with Hitch. Yeah, absolutely. With a very similar genre. I mean yeah, they are sort of comedic noirs. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. it makes sense that it's coming up a lot today. I mean again, moments I should have known that this was like a flat out comedy. Anna Kendrick rapping. Uh, a moment such that a good sh- bit when that goes from the non-diegetic to the diegetic yeah. in the movie. Oh, yeah. so Like funny. it's a great needle drop. And then it's, oh, no, she's just yeah. singing this in her car. And of the, course she is. And that, that, of course, is what Stephanie does to break bad, is that she yeah. will go ahead and listen to uh, some hip hop hip-hop and know all the words. Becca made fun of me uh, <laughs> and when we first started dating, how I would do, do that the in the thing. car sometimes. And she would just be like, oh, my God, Stop. <laughs> All 30-something white men have done that at some point in their life. Well, I was a 20-something when I was doing it. So even more understandable and yet still somehow more egregious. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so good. Uh, other things that we, you know, are sort of seeing in this era. I know I was trying to put my, you know, five years look back glasses on while we were watching this. And obviously, you know, her as a vlogger is something I was thinking about like this. We're just getting more of that the last five years. Uh incest was big in the 2010s i don't you know with your games of thrones and mm. i know there's some other ones i'm forgetting well but. again that feels like a i mean there's a number of french thrillers that have yeah. that sort of the step you know the stepbrother mm. the stepsister the, well and that goes back to the sort of the gothic tradition yeah. as well that it's sort of all drinking from yeah, yeah. sure sure i mean uh, is the what's it called that cruel intentions is based on um oh it's french yeah um, i'm yeah. trying to think oh, of the, the yeah. translated title um i don't know but uh, i mean even like you know vc what's her name uh Flowers in the Attic, right? Mm. Uh, that author has made a number of book series mm-hmm. that a lot of feature some sort of incestuous relationship, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There's that weird taboo that fits into the thriller, the yeah. romance thriller in some way, well, facing out the gothic it, tradition. Well, and it, it's all back to sensationalism, I mean, because these sure. are all soap operas. I mean, they're, they're, they're all they're all melodramas, and uh, just, just blood melodrama is what mm-hmm. we're looking at here, and that's really kind of where you get to noir, if you go one direction with it, where you get to this sort of erotic thriller, if you go a slightly different direction, mm-hmm. or in our case, these sort of comedic uh, meta-thrillers. Uh, that we're looking at right now uh, is is just uh, taking that melodrama and then adding blood and or humor or and humor depending mm-hmm. on what you want to how you want to go about doing that, and so it makes for a really really good time. It's really really fun. Uh, and again, I think the movie's overall pretty effective. I do think the movie is all, I mean, if it is making any sort of cultural indictment, I think it is asking some questions about the sort of live your life in front of the camera kind of vlogger thing that you have to have this sort of presentation of mommyhood in this case. What, sure. And look I, like a good mom. Well, and, it's doing that for both characters, right? Sure. And I, I even saw something about the the screenwriter, um, you know, that being one of the themes that she was really having a fun time honing in on is is just like the ways in which 
there's this like self presentation uh, that women are expected to do. And if mm-hmm. you like slip out of the role that you've built for yourself, like God help you uh, mm-hmm. if, if you get caught slipping, uh, which I, I thought was like, I was like, Oh yeah, hell yeah. Of course it's something you were like diving into. Uh, Jessica Schrazer is the screenwriter's mm-hmm. name. Sorry. I wanted to get that name pulled up. So I thought, yeah, I think that that's, Big time there. Big time part of the movie, uh, both in terms of like the specifically the vlogger thing. But, you know, I mean, Emily is like this high powered PR person is like not doing an entirely dissimilar sort of mm-hmm. line of work as far as just being outwardly public facing. Um, and, and it's it is interesting, like Emily's sort of disregard for sort of the negative aspects of like the way women are socialized, like the don't apologize, like be a ball breaker, mm-hmm. like these things that like Stephanie is picking up from her. Uh, it's it's fun, like and again ties for me back to the the uh, the chaotic hot friend sub subgenre mm-hmm. that I've created, because so many of those stories right are about like learning to stand up for yourself and like mm-hmm. kind mm-hmm. of like taking a what a chaotic person is doing and modulating it down to where you're comfortable with and mm-hmm. like trying to live a more authentic version of yourself through like by adapting somebody else's personality traits. A little yeah, grow bit. a spine and you know, yeah. but remain socially acceptable. You yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I know I kind of am jumping around hot mm-hmm. potato style, but I think these are all kind of interrelated themes. Absolutely. And, and again, they're in the sort of different ways. And I'd love that one of the moms is a dad, you know, right. yeah. uh, you know, that's this love is, Andrew Annals. Yeah. He's always he's happy when guy. he shows up. And uh, and but the idea of that sort of pressure that you feel as a parent, you know, what, that you have to have the kids all together and you're ready for picture day. And I mean, I never remember picture day until the day it's happening and my yeah. phone goes if off. You're I'm, lucky. Like, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need crystal because we have to break and I don't braid. That's not going to... Yeah. I've never learned that particular skill. You're not a girl dad, hashtag. I, I, I want... I mean, and, you know, but that's the thing, right? Don't it's you like, want to be a father of daughters, Dustin? I, I am a father of a daughter. Well, and there's I a way in which, yeah, you if, if your family is not Instagram ready, right? Yeah. Then you're judged or you feel like you're going to be yeah, judged. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's like sometimes you got holes in her britches. Sometimes they put the hole in the britch on, britches on the way to school. And sometimes, you know, it's just that's what was clean today. Sometimes they're just burning down the house. Yeah, well. and the, yes. I have, a, I have a rabid raccoon of a daughter. So, yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's his own These other... These kids <laughs> are... Sorry, uh, I was just thinking about a, a version of bur- burning down the house about how awful kids are. Uh, <laughs> I really do like the Greek chorus element of Andrew Reynolds, uh, Kelly McCormick, and A Pardon on Charla. Mm-hmm. Uh, great casting. Like I love all three of them. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kelly McCormick plays like a really hard ass uh, female hockey player on that show. That's fun. And then A Pardon on Charla. I mean, she's been around. She's on that show corporate and has been doing stand up for years. Like it's just so just three really funny people that I kind of. I wish we'd gotten more of them because maybe I would have picked up quicker that like the whole movie was supposed to be mm. very satirical. And I, again, I feel very silly. Like when Andrew Rannells like shows up to run over Blake Lively, <laughs> his quiet Prius, and that's like within five minutes followed hey, up with a bunch of like man. very silly postscripts. I was like, Oh, I've been watching a different movie this whole time. Yeah. And I, and I'm glad you alluded to that Arthur because yeah, like, it is so firmly tongue in cheek that it is like, it, it, I, you know, we talked about David Fincher's wry sense of humor. It, this film has a wry sense of humor and enough so that I was it was not like over, overt at every turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a little slapstick. Yeah, it goes. And again, maybe I should have picked up on that, but it seems like it really does amp things up in its third act. Which well, of think, course it does. I mean, I think there. Are, I think when she goes to see Linda Cardellini, it really the leans nice into stuff. It. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very funny. Yeah. So I think there are those moments. <laughs> sure. I guess, you know, but then there's the Gene Smart stuff, which, yeah. like, to me reads, but, you know, but then she gets... She, she's she's like, yeah. I want to order the blue blazer. blazer. Yeah, yeah. So, again, there, 
<laughs> Again, I had all the clues. Yeah, well, I mean, you know. e- even... <laughs> you had all the clues, I, I will say this. A, a moment that's not funny, but it is... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's uh, sarcastic a little bit. It's, mm-hmm. it's it, Again, it's sort of uh, t- poking fun is the the love scene um, b- between um, our bereaved husband and mm-hmm. Stephanie. I mean, it's played deadly serious, mm-hmm. but it's like, of course... Mm-hmm. It, 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 there's this of sort course of, they're doing this th- th- mm-hmm. it's inevitable it feels inevitable it feels like of course this and again it's, it's a shot sort of like a typical yeah like well like tawdry wrote tawdry yeah. romance i mean it's, I mean, well, it's and, shot like something it's i mean it could be a hallmark movie frankly um yeah but, it's well like the scene with the 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 half brother is like very soft light white lighting mm-hmm. you know it's it, you're you're very right to like as much as the movie is trying to get the blood pump in a couple of times, it is like very much doing it in a silly way. Yeah, it's a joke. It, yeah. it, it's like, and, and you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell you the story and it's going to go exactly where you expect it to go. Yeah. And uh, th- these two people, of, of course, they're going to have this, you know, moment of a hug that's going to last a little too long. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, that's exactly what you you expect yeah. it. And it happens. And then it's kind of makes, I don't know, it, it's maybe making fun of Stephanie a little bit in the quickness to move into uh, Emily's yeah. house. Uh, here, well, you got a nanny without paying her. Speaking of, mm-hmm. here's the thing that bothers me about the end of the movie. Just some like weird, this is me on my cinema sins bullshit. Her final mommy vlog is from Emily and Sean's like super nice kitchen. She, so she bought their house. No, no, the last one's in, the last one's back in somewhere else. I thought it was that. that it no, looked like that I, big industrial that big kitchen. Marble kitchen. I, I, yeah, I, lo- I looked at marble kitchen. I wasn't no, paying it, attention. It's not. It's not there. It is back in her original uh, kitchen. Back in her original kitchen or, or, her, new, or, or her third well, house. She's okay. blown up, man. That's she's, true. You know, she's got. She's got all that I YouTube was, ad money coming. You're in. right. You're right. It's probably I, a third location. It may not be the home that because I wonder. Did she get a new house or does she have a set? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, so you were thinking the similar she thoughts to me. She converted the garage. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, she's got money for that now. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and an extra one for the extra cars. God, if we could convert a garage into a real recording space. Holy wow. shit. Wow, that would be something, man. Oh, geez. Just hopefully one of us gone girls or gets murdered. Ugh. What is happening right <laughs> now? What's happening? Just doing some light humor for everyone. <laughs> Just throwing some support. Dear patrons, we would love a converted garage. Otherwise, we're going to have to kill Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, Dustin's going to have to go on, girl. Yeah. I think if Gone Girl scenario happens, we're the dead ones. Oh, no. We're going to find out if Dustin One of us die. is no Patrick Harris, and one of us is... Um, <laughs> the other one's a wine bottle. Moving right along. There's, there's um, an interesting, like... God, I'm so sorry I brought us here. This is my fault. I'm going to try to dig this, dig us out of here. Um, the, there's some interesting stuff going on with the wealthy, right? You've got yeah. the allure of Emily's wealth, but then you've got sort of the revelation that it's all on all for show, right? Well, right. Mr. Nylon is obviously terrible, and it, and that yeah. name is just funny, but. very funny. He's uh, well, and that stuff like all red is broadly comic to me. Mm-hmm. So again. The clues are all there, but he's that whole bit is like very funny, uh, both like him dressing Stephanie down and then her kind of like finding her her uh, her spine and Keith dressing Hunt it. wannabe. Yeah, he's just Tom Ford. Tom Ford Tom wishes Ford, he yeah. was me. <laughs> that's so that's funny. Uh, but yeah, like I, I like this, this sort of playing. And again, I'm sure it comes from the novel, but this sort of this exploration of like show wealth or, you know, mm, yeah. money on paper or. Uh, this sort of high debt existence that that some folks are living in conspicuous consumption there we go that's a good way to thank you that's that's one of the buzzwords i was looking for nerds yeah i I don't know i I think it's fun and again like ties into like what these two it makes sense that sean is so ready to come on board with the plan right Mm -hmm. once once sean gets brought into the plan by emily like both their their financial situation and her 
a power over him. Like it makes sense that he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just on board with this now. Yeah. Um, God, I love what a dipshit Sean is. Yeah. Uh, second novel, the oopsie jar, the oopsie the, jar, the oopsie jar. It's such a funny title and good for him. I'm glad he's doing well and leading the department of lit there at USC. Um, I mean, that's <laughs> such a funny thing. His little postscript is really good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and also, Hey, good job movie for knowing that in novelist. I assume that Stephanie and Sean aren't supposed to end up together. No, that's no. good job. But I want to see the Blake Lively's um, "Orange Is the New Black." Uh, yeah, I, I really want to see that. Yeah, the the joke that like she's such a hard ass that she is has it had an easy time adapting to prison is a funny joke. But mm-hmm. it, yeah, it is again. I just don't like this ending. I really yeah. am out on it. The postscript does not. It just gave me unbreakable flashbacks. Truly, just like oh, you, unbreakable. It's, get the once once uh bruce willis walks away from sam jackson and it's like and then mr glass went to jail for all of the crimes he did i think i forgot that exists yeah yeah you should have you purged it from your mind because it brings the <laughs> movie I just down full watching star. Before there. good it's like it's like the fight cl- the chinese uh, uh propaganda or um censorship rather i should say the chinese censorship ending a fight club just is the theatrical ending oh, of unbreakable yeah, yeah. <laughs> gross i know and again i just i don't know man like it it makes sense for the tone of the movie overall. Like if we, you know, when we accept that this is sort of a tongue in cheek comedy noir, these very eighties John Hughes Animal House, like this, where are they now? Postscripts, like it makes sense for the tone of the movie overall. I just, I guess, I'm more interested in maybe the sleazier, more yeah. salacious, erotic thriller version of this story that has like a, a little bit more like serious of an ending. I mean, it's only a matter of degrees in this movie's basic instinct. Sure, I mean, yeah. truly, yeah. you know, I mean, it really is a couple of a couple of lighting changes, yeah, yeah. a I couple mean, of editing choices, yeah. I mean, and, but it really yeah. is. I mean, this is similarly similarly yeah. plotted, yeah. You know, it's just you know, there's just less jokes, and we're gonna do basic instinct one of these days, bud. No, oh, well, that's fine. Um, I know I you li- want to so bad. I just like Verhoeven so much. Um, but anyway, uh, well, there you go, dear listener. Those are generally our thoughts on um, A Simple Favor. We're going to render a verdict now as to shelf or trash. What are you going to say, Arthur? I am very gently going to put this on my shelf. I enjoy it quite a bit. It's definitely in my wheelhouse, um, both as the very low to mid-budget studio uh, thriller that we just don't get. You know, we kind of lament this with well, a long time ago when we did Focus. Uh, you mm. know, but this had a twenty million dollar budget, right? So I mean, it's not a huge movie. Yeah, and it's just something we don't get a lot. Also, the kind of bereaving the studio comedy, which also is, I guess, seen its heyday um, in the past. And so, because of those things, and I just, I really like Blake Lively and Anna Kendrick. And I want them to do well. Yeah. And I want the best for them. And if that means buying this DVD and putting it on my shelf, I'll do it. Um, anything that supports Blake, and I, I guess, I guess you know, somehow is also supporting Ryan. Yeah, but. you should get a Mint Mobile subscription. You're really trying to help the, the Reynolds Lively family <laughs> <That's> out. <laughs> yeah. Become a big Wrexham fan. Yeah, Ryan really wants me to do that. Yeah, geez. Um, why couldn't it have been Blake? Is the question I'll always yeah, ask. Why, why couldn't she be the the, the more popular? Did you see one? her action? What was the, she did like a big action movie thing, right? Uh, that sounds years right. Ago, like yeah. maybe after this. Yeah, we didn't talk enough about either of their careers, probably because they're probably, both kind of like interesting. How Age of Adeline and The Shallows are around this same time. And I Shallows think of those is so good. Shallows too, man. kicks ass, dude. Um, so good. I, yeah. Well, Anna Kendrick just comes out swinging. The rhythm section. That's yeah. what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Anna just comes out swinging with Up in the Air, gets an Academy Award nomination, and then just sort of does a bunch of random stuff like Twilights and 
and then does Pitch Perfect and really levels out. And, you know, now she has she's directed a movie. I yeah. think it just came out this year is coming. I don't know the timeline yeah, I there, can't remember. you know, but I, I love both of them and I want them both to be successful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, all that to say, yes, I would put this on my shelf very, very gently. It, it's not not with gusto. Yeah. And like I said, I'm going to die on a hill. But not with regret like either. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it is a movie for me and that's OK. Very good, very good. Well, what do you say, Dalton? I am equally gently placing it on top of the trash. Uh, this th- this is a good movie. It's good trash. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll probably be findable on streaming for most of the future, especially once they get that uh, that sequel greenlit and they've got a release date for that puppy. You won't be able to escape this movie. They'll be reminding you of its existence constantly since it's been you know five years since the first one. Uh, but yeah, I, I do like it quite a bit. I just, you know, not essential um, and, you know, as Arthur is right, as far as like show pieces for Lively and Kendrick, I think it's definitely up there. But, you know, I don't I don't know that I think of Paul Feig as a as an essential director. Mm. I don't think of his career as essential, unfortunately. As, again, as, as much as I like his stuff, I don't I don't have like a bone to pick with him or anything. It's just, you know, it's skippable, I guess is what I'm getting at. Very good. Very good. Well, bottoms up buttercup. I'm also going to trash it. Um, I like it. Um, I think it's okay. Um, and I, and I really would watch it again, but I don't need to own it. I would rather stream it. Um, if it were not available streaming, if for some reason, if I were to become aware that rights were going to get weird or whatever, I would find the Blu-ray somewhere and uh, get it, get it to my house. I think this has been in on streaming since as soon as it could have been on. Like, I mean, this has just floated around streaming services for years now so i, I think it's going to be easy to catch so i always pay attention to those what's coming on what's coming off of streaming and i i i, I do a little bit of paying attention yeah to i know because right. he told me five times this week we need to watch wild wild west before it leaves hbo week of wild wild um <laughs> yes he pays attention to the, he he goes to the what's leaving soon section of the streaming services to find but that's out. the first place i always go if i'm just <laughs> browsing do too, you don't want to see dustin's hand where his remote be at <laughs> you know <laughs> no, i know where he keeps the remote i don't want to see his hand there <laughs> i i have no comment <laughs> okay if you have comments for us on, yes, on wh- whether or not you would shelf or trash a simple favor uh Wild Wild West or any other <laughs> film, uh, you can hit us up uh, goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, that is goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com for your long form feedback of, of any sort. You know, hit us up. Uh, you can also find um, us around the internet. Uh, we don't really post uh, from the show anymore, but we're on good, we're at Good Trash Media around the internet. Uh, but if you want to find us on like Letterboxd, uh, we're we're all three on there. I'm Dollywood Squares. He's uh, the Dustin Cell, the Arthur Gordon, and he's just Dustin Cells mm-hmm. over on Letterboxd. And you know, come find us online. We're around. We we don't we don't mind the follow. Uh, but the the thing that would really help is if you write, review, and subscribe, and do all the other crap that other podcasts ask you to do. It turns out that does actually help. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to help us out financially, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM uh, to find out a little bit more information on what's in it for you, like picking a movie for us to talk about or having a movie sent to you. All kinds of fun stuff. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. That's it. That's all. That's all the, the business uh, other than the business time that we always do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sort of the perfunctory show notes business, I guess. But now we got to find out what we're watching next week. That's right. Next week, we continue this look back on the year 2018, reappraising the movies that came out that maybe didn't get the love they needed or maybe got too much love. I don't know. And I don't know what we're doing next week because next week is a host pick. And Dustin is going to be telling us what we're watching. We're going to watch um, Bagans along. Wait, wait. Oh, gosh. A long day's journey into night. 
I had to, I had to think really hard about it. Um, great movie, really well received at all the festivals. It's currently streaming on Movie A Long Day's Journey into Nights. Think Thriller meets Andre Tarkovsky um, via China. Okay. So if the, interesting, if, if that cell will do for you, that will be the thing. Hey, I'm on board. I'm is, trying to remember if I remember this right coming there. out. The green dress. Oh, well, you had it there on the right. Mm. There. I remember when this came out. Yeah. Because yeah. this is like doing. We're still recording, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it's got Tang Wei in it. Yeah. Hell yeah. So, um, yeah, this is this is gonna be a good time, and uh, look forward to that. So you keep watching. We'll keep talking. We'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid.